Pastor Shell is on vacation with his wife and family, and so we have uh, some guest speakers over the next uh, week here or so, and I'm pleased to uh, welcome up Pastor Bob Cron, who's our regional minister for the BC Association of Churches. Uh, he's going to be speaking this morning. Uh, most of you have probably heard him before, but uh, it's always good to have you back to speak with us, and we ask for God's blessing on your message this morning. And I just tested the mic for you, so I think it's working. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you, and Merry Christmas. Every year, you'd think we'd be ready, and Andre said it. You'd think we'd be ready because Christmas comes the same time every year, and about the end of October, surely by the beginning of uh, November, it's Christmas wherever you walk. And the malls, everything is Christmas. And then here we are, a couple days before Christmas, and we're going, whoa, is it Christmas already? Two days, and, and is it two days? Two days? Yeah. Christmas Eve and then Christmas Day, right. And, it, and, it's, and it's there. It seems to catch us by surprise. Uh, one of the things that I like at Christmas time is there's, there's um, I always hear a different Christmas joke. Uh, along the way. And so I'm going to share the best one that I heard so far. It's actually a story. Uh, some of you are grandparents here. I, I can tell that. I'm, I'm, we're grandparents. And I heard the story of a, a grandmother who was in a care center. And every year she would uh, send presents to her grandchildren. And they would receive these presents. And they would uh, uh, hopefully write a letter of thank you back to her. But one year, the mother got tired of hounding her children, saying, write Grandma Lander, thank her for the present. And did you do it? No, I didn't do it yet. Following week, did you write the letter yet? No, I haven't got it written yet. But eventually, they did write a letter. So the one year, the grandma thought, or I mean the mom thought, I am not telling these kids. They're old enough. They can do this on their own. I've, I've uh, told them often enough that they need to do this. And so... That year, she didn't say anything, and as a result, the grandmother uh, in the care home didn't get any letters of thank you for the presents you gave me at Christmas. So the mother was wondering what the grandma was going to do the following year. So grandma, as usual, actually wrote them all checks and even more than she had done the year before, which was interesting when they got all these. And to her surprise, each of the children said, could we go and visit grandma at the care center and just thank her personally for this check that she gave us. We're, we're so thankful that uh, she gave this, to which they did. So they drove her there, and drove all the kids, and the kids one by one thanked her. And all the other residents said, wow, what wonderful grandchildren you have. You know, we're lucky if we get a thank you from, from our, our kids, you know, and we send them something. But yours, they all came here personally. What... What's your secret? How do you have such wonderful grandchildren? To which she responded, she said, Well, I gave them all checks this year, but I didn't sign them. <laughs> There's the key to thankfulness. <laughs> well, this is the fourth Sunday of Advent, and uh, you've lit your candle. And most of our churches, we find that uh, when, when, depending when Christmas and Christmas Eve comes along, 
the, the, the main service of celebrating the birth of Christ comes either on Christmas Eve or on Christmas Day. And almost all of our churches are doing a Christmas Eve service, but not a Christmas Day service, uh, although the odd one has that as well. But one of the things about Advent is that time of expectation, the time of build-up was something that we're looking forward to. And of course, Christmas is just the, uh, the biggest one that there is as far as anticipation of something that's coming that we're looking forward to. Easter is also a very similar time. When you look at it in one way, you see the anticipation of the people longing and wanting something better. The life wasn't going well. And then you saw the darkness of the cross. And then Christ rises from the dead. And you have that played out throughout Scripture in story after story. It's the story in our life, and it's the story of Christmas as well, where there's the anticipation. They've been longing for hundreds of years for something to happen. And then there's the darkness that is there, and then there's the birth of Christ that comes along. Sometimes we get lost in that darkness, and we don't see the light and the hope that is there for us. Nicodemus came to Jesus at night in the darkness. Daniel spent the night in the lion's den. Peter denied Christ at night. Paul and his shipmates were shipwrecked at night. The shepherds in the fields came at night. Mary and Joseph arrived in the stable, and Mary spent the night in labor. And over the years of listening to very uh, lots of sermons at Christmas time, uh, you probably have heard the state of the world when Christ was born. It wasn't a very good state of the world at that time. When, I, when you look at what life under the Roman rule would have been like, very cruel, very harsh. And I thought of some of the things I was reading, what, what Paul had written about what the world was like. And he wrote these kinds of words. This is how he described the culture that he lived in And you may even recognize it as very similar. You know, life goes on, generations go on, but so many things stay the same. Listen to how Paul described his world, the world that Jesus was born into. Here's the words he used about his culture. Envy, murder, deceit, gossip, slander, haters of God, insolent, Haughty, boastful, disobedient, heartless, ruthless. What a world to be born into. I remember back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, the the, uh, Cuban Missile Crisis and all those things, and the discussions at university that went on. Do you really want to have children? Do you really want to bring children into a world like this? I think that's a question that most people that are wanting to have children wrestle with. And they look around and they look at the society where they are. And it's a choice that is being made. And there is not much hope unless you know the future, unless you know how it's going to end. And that's the hope, of course, that we have in Christ. Well, slaves were cheap labor. Herod thought nothing of killing all the Jewish babies two years and under. Just Let's just do it. Let's do away with all these kids to make sure that my throne is secure. On the emperor Domitian's birthday, it says 2,500 
captured people were slaughtered that day. And the Romans were the ones who invented the cross. The cross was the most cruel punishment that they could come up with. Why? Because it didn't just, you weren't just executed. It lasted and it went on and on. And the people suffered and never could watch people suffer. And so they invented the cross. At one point they said of Christianity in those early days, history records that Christians were martyred and hung on crosses as far as the eye could see. That's the world that Christ came into. Gladiators entertained the rich by killing each other in the arenas. And prisoners were thrown and ripped apart by wild beasts. And into this world, the Bible says that Jesus was born and came into this kind of a world. Luke 2, verse 7. I want to read some of this in the scriptures. Luke 2, verse 7. While they were there, they were in the, getting registered. It says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And then the shepherds, first of all, heard this wonderful news about this person who was going to be born. Shepherds, of course, the low lives of society, the people that weren't really in the business world. They were off on the fields. They were dirty. Uh, they slept with the sheep. And sheep, we have this nice fluffy sheep that wander around now, but they were actually fairly dirty animals. Uh, they, did, they didn't take baths either. Bad, did you get that bad? They didn't take any baths. So, okay, a couple of you got that one. That was a little attempt there. Uh, I heard that actually at uh, a play, a, a children's play, I heard them using those uh, really cool jokes at that time. So, so they, were, they were out there, and to this group of people, who really didn't have much hope in life. The whole life is going to be spent out in the field, in the rain and the cold, keeping the animals away, trying to protect the sheep, not being respected. And to these people, at nighttime, the angels came and talked with them and said, you know what? Some great things are happening. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You've anticipated something for years. You're now in the darkness of night, the darkness of society all around you. But here is good news. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this is a sign that you will find him lying in a manger wrapped in these cloths. And the great company of the heavenly host came and they said, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men. It uses the word actually for mankind to all people on whom his favor rests. And they rushed over to see the Jesus who was born. Anticipation, the dark night, and now the light and the hope and the joy that was waiting them. Awesome how God has pulled all of history together for this time at this place. I want to look at another passage in Isaiah, which also talks way back. And you may have heard this read many, many times. And it's interesting that this passage in Isaiah, which often isn't read just before it, Isaiah chapter 9, 
verse 2, well, first of all, it talks about the longing. It talks about the chaos that's around at this time. And it says in verse 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And then it talks about this light. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. When you look at your life, does your life follow that kind of a pattern where you have anticipation? When you're hungry, you have anticipation that something good is going to happen at some point. Uh, when you're, you're single, you have anticipation that something good is going to happen. When you're married, you have anticipation that something good is going to happen. And when we, of course, are approaching death, we have an anticipation that something is going to happen. But along the way with that anticipation, and those uh, of us that are senior, and we know that, yes, there's that anticipation, and we know the hope that is there, but there's also some pain, some darkness that we will go through before we cross over. And those of you who are married, although everyone else thinks that you've never had any problems, you know that you had that anticipation, you got married, but then there's some bumps along the way and some darkness. But you have hope because you know that it's not you that has to work it all out. You have Christ, you have the living God living and working in you. And probably if you went back and looked over your life, those times would be very real to you, as you know. The times of wanting something better, finding yourself in darkness without that hope that you needed. And then you heard the good news. There is hope in Jesus Christ. And you ask him to be Lord of your life and to forgive your sin. That anticipation, the darkness, and then the new life that comes when we give our lives over to Christ. One of the things that uh, I noticed today, and I never, I didn't give anyone my message or what, anything I was going to say. And last night about 9.30, I said to my wife, you know what? I have all this stuff, all this material that I was going to preach on, and uh, I think I'm just not going to do all of that. Not, not because of the time constraints or things like that. Not because Andre spoke to me earlier, you know, about my timelines. He, he didn't, in fact, he said, you just carry on as much as you feel the Holy Spirit leading you to speak. Uh, but I said, you know what, I just feel I need to just talk about who Jesus is. I mean, here he is, the one that we celebrate coming to be born. And while we were worshiping, we started singing the name of Jesus. What a wonderful name. And then, and then even what was, what was read, the wonderful name of Jesus, that passage out of Isaiah, that came up when we were here, when we were talking. And I had found this whole list of the 50 names of Jesus in the Bible. Names that talk about who Jesus is. And I thought of those names as we anticipate uh, that final on, on Christmas Eve, the lighting of that candle, the, the birth of Christ, the anticipation of the world, all the chaos that was going around. As we anticipate that, it's this Jesus, the name of Jesus, the powerful name of Jesus. That is why he came, and that is who we worship. So I thought, what better time to do this 
if you can handle, and I said to, I said again, said to my wife, can people really handle listening to a whole bunch of scripture on Sunday morning? You know, shouldn't they be having some preaching stuff and instead of just a whole bunch of scripture? And she said, oh, you can't do better than scripture. So I'm going to take a drink. I'm going to list you seven, 50 names from the scripture that talk about Jesus, who he is, why he came, and what he does. I thought of, I, when, when I was going to share this, I, and, and reflecting on it, uh, there was a service, I, I spoke at a service, it was an outreach event, and more of an evangelistic kind of, of message. And during that time, uh, people had brought seekers, neighbors, different people that were there. And during the, during the course of the, 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 the time, as, as a witness, someone, someone asked the question, you know, we need to find out what has Jesus done in people's lives? And they said, if some of you were lonely and you found that Christ helped you through that, would you stand? And people stood. And then he said, some of you were ill physically and you needed God to heal you. And God healed them. Would you stand? And some people stood and sat down. And he went through all of these things. And some of you who have gone through very difficulties in your marriage and God healed your marriage, would you stand? And, and, and someone is setting off the alarms. Would you stand? And would you walk out there? Make sure it's not my car. <laughs> Someone's breaking into. Yeah, we've had break-ins uh, around our neighborhood, by the way. I don't know if you get that around here, but uh, we do where, where we live. And so if your marriage has been saved, you stand. So people stood up, and then they sat down. And then they said, some of you have gone through an ugly divorce. Where did you find the strength? If Jesus helped you, you stand. And they stood. And some of you who had children who would scream out and cry out in services. And you said, what do I do with them? Well, God helps you with them too. We have, there's a nursery. There's a place to go. You see, all these things are, are there. And, and one by one, as people were asked the question, where has God, where has Christ helped you, saved you? One by one, they stood. And all the people who didn't know Jesus who were there saw one after another. Wow, God worked here, God worked here, God worked here, God worked here. Maybe in my darkness, maybe in my emptiness, he can help me too. So I want to just go through some of these. I think it's already set up for us to look at some of these names of Jesus. We've been speaking of them. So if you would bear with me, and maybe there's one or two of these names that you can think of particularly, and especially as you go through the next couple of days leading up to Christmas, and you'll say, I know Jesus, the first one here, as the Almighty One, who is and who is, who was and who is to come, the Almighty, Revelation 1.8. Do you know God? Do you know Jesus? Do you know this baby as the Mighty One? He's the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, Revelation twenty two thirteen. He's our advocate. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, 1 John 2, 1. He's the author and perfecter of our faith, 
Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews 12, 12, 12, 2. Authority. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Matthew 28, 18. He's the bread of life. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. John 6, 35. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Please, Matthew three seventeen. He's the bridegroom. And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. Matthew nine fifteen. He's the chief cornerstone. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, Psalm 118, 22. He's the deliverer. Have you experienced him as the deliverer in your life? And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come, 1 Thessalonians 1, 10. He's faithful and true. I saw heaven standing open, and there was before me a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war, Revelation 19.11. He's the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, John 10.11. He's the great high priest. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, Hebrews 4.14. He's the head of the church, and he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, Ephesians 1.22. He's the holy servant, and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal, and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus, Acts 4.29.30. I am, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you before Abraham was, I am, John 8.58. Christmas time, we think Emmanuel, and she will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us, Isaiah 7, 14. He's the indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift, 2 Corinthians 9, 15. And he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead, Acts 10, 42. They will wage war against the lamb and the lamb will overcome them because he is the Lord of Lord and King of Kings. And those who are with him are called and chosen and faithful, Revelation seventeen fourteen, He's the Lamb of God. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, John 1, 29. He's the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life, John eight twelve. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll in seven seals, Revelations 5, 5. He's the Lord of all. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, Philippians 2, 9 through 11. He's a mediator, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, 1 Timothy 2.5. He's the Messiah. John 1.41 says, we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. He's the mighty one. Then you will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior, your Redeemer, the mighty one of Jacob, Isaiah 60, 
verse 16. He's the one who sets free. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. John 8, 36. He's our hope. Jesus Christ is our hope. 1 Timothy 1, 1. He's our peace. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Ephesians 2, 14. He's the prophet. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. Mark 6, 4. He's our redeemer. As for me, I know that my redeemer lives and at the last he will take his stand on the earth. Job 19, 25. He's the risen Lord that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4. He's our rock. They drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ, 1 Corinthians 10, 4. He's the sacrifice for our sins. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, 1 John 4.10. He's our savior, for unto us is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the king. Christ the Lord, Luke 2.11. He's the son of man, for the son of man comes to seek and to save the lost, Luke 19.10. He's the son of the most high. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, Luke 1.32. He's the supreme creator over all. By him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, 1 Corinthians 1, 16, 17. He's the resurrection and the life. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. John eleven twenty five. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pastor. John ten nine. I am the way, Jesus answered. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John fourteen six. Though in the beginning was the Word, he's the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John one one. He's the true vine. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. John 15.1. I am the truth, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John 8.32. I'm the victorious one. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on the throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my Father on his throne. Revelation 3.21. And then the last few are these. Uh, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Did you follow? Merry Christmas! That's who was born. That's who we celebrate. Thank you for bearing with me as I read all of those scriptures. But I wanted us to focus on who Jesus is. Who he was and who's to come. I want to just close by reading a Christmas carol. In 1807, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow was born. Anyone here around when he was born? No? Okay, I'm just checking. In 1836, um, his wife died when she had a miscarriage. In 1843, he married again, and they had six children. 
1861, his wife of 18 years was cooking in the kitchen and the candle caught her dress on fire and she burned to death and the house burned down. Her husband um, grew a beard because of all the scars on his face as he tried to rescue her in that. Against his wishes, his son, his oldest son, I guess around 18, went to war, was seriously injured, but lived and came home. And during that time, that was in 1863, that was during the Civil War years, and in 1863, in the midst of all of that tragedy and sadness, he wrote Christmas Carol. In 1872, it was put to music. He died in 1882. And in 1956, that song became popular by Bing Crosby, and it's called I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. It's an interesting carol because it's written by a poet. And in all the hymn books uh, that I've looked into, you have the first three verses and the last two, and they're missing verse uh, uh, four and five are usually missing. So I checked your hymn book, and the whole Christmas carol is missing, so you don't even have to worry about (laughs) having those two verses missing, so it's not cut in there. But it's, it's the... It's what I've been talking about. There's the, the, the expectation, the anticipation. So the first, in his poem, the first three verses are the anticipation. And then comes the darkness. And then in the last verse comes the light and the hope and the peace that is longed for. And when you see this in the pattern of his life and what he went through, It just flows together. So we have the first three verses, the anticipation. It's beginning to sound a lot like Christmas kind of song. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to man. And thought how as the day has come, the belfries of all Christendom have rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing, on its way, the world revolved from night to day. A voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. We're doing okay so far? Merry Christmas. This is exciting stuff. The bells are ringing. Christmas is coming. And then he writes, Then from each black accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. That just throws a heavy darkness and yet when I think of the birth of Christ the anticipation the darkness of the world longing for the coming of Christ the hope of the world and he writes that verse I think probably the the thunder in the south the the civil war that was going on his son that was wounded his best friend that he writes later a little article to, and he he says, I grieve with you, my son comes home wounded, but your son does not even come home. I grieve with you. And then he writes the next verse. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men, So many people stop about there. 
They look at all the troubles and the trials, and you can just see him, the households forlorn, the, the death of his wife, the, the chaotic uh, situation that he was in with the war and everything that's going on. And you know what it's like when you have a prayer list and you're thinking at some point you're going to finish that prayer list and say, Amen, it's done. And you get five more requests to pray and bring before the throne of God. And then the deepest despair comes in his sixth verse. And it's interesting, he's a poet. So you have to understand poetry. If you read some of the psalms, and they're, they're, there's some fascinating psalms, and they, and they go for like one that goes uh, alpha, beta. You know, each verse starts with another letter, the alphabet as it goes through, and as you read the psalms. And here is, here's this poet. Six is the number of incompleteness. And so in verse 6, he says, And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And then as a good poet, seven is the number of completeness. Six, he's the chaos, the heartache, the despair, the darkness. And then he says, then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. We don't need to stay in the valley. We don't need to be those without hope. And whatever anticipation you may have had in your life that maybe didn't work out because of some of the darkness that's come along, You don't stay there either because Christ was born in the fullness of time when there was no hope and no joy. There was suffering and chaos. And Jesus was born in that dark world in a stable that didn't have much light. And yet he became the light. And we praise him that he brings all things to completion in himself. And in Revelation, we look forward to the end where it says the time is coming, a new heaven, a new earth, no more death, no mourning, no crying, no pain. And so we receive Christ into our life, into our hearts. So when you hear a bell on Christmas Day, don't think of that play where another angel got its wings. You know, that's that's the old one. Hear the bell, another angel got his wings. No. Think of the bell on Christmas Day, the hope that there is in Jesus. Think of those names of Jesus, who he is, what he has done, and why we are here. So let me wish you Merry Christmas, and may God give you the most wonderful time of Christmas. I think we're going to sing joy to the world. The Lord has come. Amen. God bless you.